If we do not have transparency on the public records of bad actors, it's going to make it really difficult to make the change that is much needed. Welcome to the award-winning podcast, Lawyer to Lawyer, with J. Craig Williams, bringing you the latest legal news and observations with the leading experts in the legal profession. You're listening to Legal Talk Network. Welcome to Lawyer to Lawyer on the Legal Talk Network. I'm Craig Williams coming to you from Southern California. I have two books out titled How to Get Sued and The Sled. Well, on September 30th, 2021, California Governor Gavin Newsom signed Senate Bill 2, SB2, also known as the Kenneth Ross Jr. Police Decertification Act of 2021, establishing a statewide system to decertify or suspend officers who have committed serious misconduct. Under SB2, the public can report police officers to the Commission on Police Officer Standards and Training, POST. Post will assess the complaint through a multi-layer decertification system according to the law. The law itself, SB2, also makes it easier to sue police who have committed civil rights abuses. So what constitutes police misconduct and how is SB2 shaping police departments? Today on Lawyer Lawyer, we'll spotlight SB2 and police decertification. We'll discuss decertification due to police misconduct, wandering officers, and the impact on states' decertification and revocation laws. And to help us better understand this issue, we're joined by Marshall Arnwine Jr., an advocate for the criminal justice program at the ACLU of Northern California, the American Civil Liberties Union. And in this capacity, he helps lead and organize efforts to reform police policies for 48 Northern California counties. His efforts include implementing multiple statutes, AB 392, the police use of force, AB 953 on racial and identity profiling, and SB 1421, access to police officers' records relating to police conduct. Marshall recently hosted a webinar for the ACLU of Northern California entitled Police Decertification. How does it work? Well, welcome to the show, Marshall. Hello. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Tell us a little bit about your background, your legal background, and how you got involved with the ACLU. Yes. So I serve in the role as legal policy advocate. And in this role, I analyze state and local legislation and to make sure that the legislation that we lobby for at the state capitol is actually implemented properly in the local jurisdictions. And my home jurisdiction is Sacramento County. So how do you go about making sure that they're enforced correctly? One option is after the bills are passed, I go to ledgeinfo.com, which anyone in the public can do. And I pull up the bill and I just read it from top to bottom to educate myself. And then I'll go and see and check if the police agencies are following not only the intent, but also the legal statutes of the law. You talked about, uh, you recently had a webinar entitled uh, Police Decertification. How does it work? Tell us about your seminar. Yes. In May, I believe it was May 30th, I co-hosted a seminar with some of our co-sponsors to the Senate Bill 2 bill. And in this bill, uh, webinar, we wanted the public to understand how the decertification process worked. At the ACLU, we received numerous inquiries from community members, from advocates, wanted to know how would this work. So I decided to pull together 
some of the co-sponsors of the bill to create this educational webinar to explain three things. One, what was the original purpose of SB2? Two, what are the factors for someone to be decertified? And three, how can community members help implement SB2? Okay, what does police decertification mean? What, what is the actual process and how does it work? So in layman's terms, police decertification is essentially revoking the officer's ability to become a police officer within California. In order for an officer to have their badges revoked, they would have to fall within nine definitions of serious misconduct. And if they fall within those definitions, then there is an agency called POST, which stands for the Commission on Peace Officer Standards and Training. And this is the law enforcement agency that creates the system of revoking law enforcement badges. Tell us about Kenneth Ross Jr. and the Police Decertification Act that you're working on. So Kenneth Ross Jr. was a beloved son, father, and brother. He was 25 years old when he was tragically killed by the Gardena Police Department. His death prompted an urgent call for police reform. The officer who had shot Kenneth Ross Jr. had previously been involved in three other shootings. We cannot ever forget that precious life was lost in the process of creating this law. And because of this tragic killing, Senate Bill 2 created a pathway to decertify officers who engage in serious misconduct and commit crimes so that it can prevent officers from committing harm at one police department and then transferring to a different police department. Well, it sounds like there are, you mentioned there are nine grounds for police decertification. Obviously, shooting someone without a reason is, is one of them. But what are the other ones? Yeah, so the nine are dishonesty, abuse of power, physical abuse, sexual assault, demonstrating bias, acts that violate the law, participation in a law enforcement gang, failure to cooperate with an investigation, and failure to intercede. And how does it go about you decertifying a police officer? I mean, I know that there's a lot of internal procedures and internal review that happens. How does this process work? Yes, yeah, so there are several avenues for this process to work. One avenue is written in the SB2 law. Within SB2, it states that starting at the beginning of this year, 2023, that all agencies that employ peace officers, if they receive a complaint that one of their officers alleged in the serious misconduct, then within 10 days of receiving that allegation, a local police department has to send that investigation to the Peace Officers Standards and Trainings Facility. How do we know whether they've done that or not? That is a great question that a lot of people ask. And one way is to reach out to post the Peace Officers Standards and Trainings Commission 
to inquire which agencies have actually reported. Post holds four meetings per calendar year where they update the public on the implementation status of SB2. And in a recent post meeting um, this month that transpired in June, they mentioned that almost half of the agencies that fall under SB2 haven't reported yet. And POST will be the agency that will be reaching out to those police departments that have not reported to make sure that they are following the law. What enforcement ability do they have? What does COAST have as uh, the ability to be able to make sure that this happens? So in the SB2 law, there isn't anything in writing that provides an actual remedy that lays out the steps for what happens when an agency does not provide the records as intended by the law. But on the other hand, if the local agency does not provide the records, then they are breaking state law and they're opening up themselves to potential lawsuits. There's a phrase called a wandering officer. Is a wandering officer one of those people that just move from police department to police department around the state? I haven't heard that phrase before. Can you define to me how you heard it in the past? Just as, just as that, that they wander from one department to another, even though they've been accused of misconduct in one department. Yes. So Kenneth Ross Jr., the officer that shot Kenneth Ross Jr., he was previously employed at a different police department before transferring to Gardena. So if we had this police decertification law in place before that officer transferred over, because that officer had already committed three other shootings, it's very possible that that officer would not have been in a position to shoot Kenneth Rogers Jr. that day. Now, this is in California. And what happens in the rest of the United States? I mean, there's 49 other states that we have to deal with. Yes. So each state has their own decertification scheme. So SB2 focuses just on the decertification scheme in California to ensure, like you mentioned, an officer cannot bounce from one police department to the next police department without any accountability. But let's say an officer loses their their badge in California and they want to transfer to a different state, let's say Arizona. SB2 does not prevent that officer from going to a different state However, let's say Arizona has a similar decertification scheme as California. Then that officer wouldn't be able to go to Arizona because their revocation will be similar. But something powerful in the SB2 law is that there's this index called the National Decertification Index where law enforcement agencies have to put the officer that they decertified in that index so that future law enforcement agents would know who had their badges revoked. And the same question there, who polices the police and making sure that those names get uploaded to that national list? That is an excellent question. Unfortunately, the SB2 bill does not lay out who polices the police, but as community members, 
as people that work in law enforcement, it's going to take a, a team effort to ensure that the spirit and the intention of SB2 gets accomplished. Well, Marsha, we're going to take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. We'll be right back. Learn by doing with Practicing Law Institute's award-winning on-demand interactive programs. Developed by experts in learning design, these immersive programs incorporate the latest in research-based instructional design and technology, allowing you to try out concepts, challenge yourself, and grow your skills using real-world scenarios. With programs focusing on professional development, client-facing skills, and law practice management, you can earn CLE while you learn. Launch now at pli.edu interactive or download PLI's mobile app. If you're like me, you're probably a bit frustrated with the state of our political system today. Democracy Decoded, a podcast by Campaign Legal Center, examines our government and discusses innovative ideas that could lead to a stronger, more transparent, accountable, and inclusive democracy. Listen at democracydecoded.org to their new season, which takes a deep dive into democracy at the state and local level by highlighting different ways to ensure that every voter's voice is heard. And welcome back to Lawyer to Lawyer. I'm joined by Marshall Arnwine Jr. He's an advocate for the criminal justice program at the ACLU of Northern California. We've been talking about police decertification and in this instance, cross-state and national lists. Since there really isn't any process to police the police, who is it that gets to make the complaint in the first place about a police officer that needs to be decertified? And how do they go about doing it? There are several mechanisms to file a complaint. So a citizen of the public, if they are harmed and their harm falls within the nine serious misconduct definitions, they can file a complaint to their local police agency that employed that officer that caused the harm. After filing that complaint with the local agency, the law says that after the agency receives that allegation, they have 10 days to alert the post agency of the allegation. Once that allegation's investigation is complete at the local level, then the local agency sends that complete investigation to post agency. So in a sense, post is the watchdog to ensure that SB2 is being implemented properly. Going back to your earlier question is who is policing the police? Post is supposed to play a role in ensuring that these complaints are being investigated properly to either decertify officers or suspend them. And is that actually happening? So this year is the first year where all the implementation components of, it, of SB2 has to be complete. So recently, the Civilian Advisory Board have been receiving uh, appointments. And this advisory board are a board of civilians who will make recommendations of decertifying officers. Um, also, by July 1st, law enforcement agencies have to send over complaints that fall within a specific retroactive timeline. So in a sense, the process is ongoing. But this year is the first year that 
the proceedings for decertification is going to take place. And according to Post, there is an anticipated timeline of October of when the first proceedings will occur. And if I wanted to find Post, where would I look for it? You can enter ca.post.gov into your internet browser. And when you get to that website, one of the first things you will see is complaint on the officer. You will see Senate Bill 2. You will also see upcoming post-commission meetings, which I highly recommend people to attend to kind of go back to your point of who is policing the police. Us as the general public should be monitoring these meetings to ensure that SB2 is being implemented properly. And these meetings are open to the general public? Yes. So the meetings happen at different cities. Sometimes they're in Sacramento. Sometimes they're in Los Angeles. The next one that's in person is in Los Angeles. Uh, I believe it's in September. But on the Post website, it gives you the exact date and time and address. But let's say you don't live in Los Angeles. You can also watch online. Now, is there? that's a great, great alternative to be able to see these kind of proceedings online. Is there any type of cross-referencing that's occurring between the police decertification lists across the country and the national list and as against the list of people who police officers who are employed in these states? I don't know the answer to that. What I do know is right now, Post has a decertification list on their website. So when you go to the website, ca.post.gov, there is a tab that has a decertification list. And there's approximately 40 officers that are already on that list. Now, could I take a look at that list and then go to my local police department and find a list of police officers that were working there so that I could compare the two of the lists? Let's say that I go find the list of 40 officers that are decertified at, on the post site. Can I then go to my local site here, say in, in uh, Orange County, and look at the list of officers and sheriffs that are employed by the local police departments and find out if any of those 40 officers are actually working at any of the local police departments? That is a great question. I do not know if each local agency has their own list of officers in order to compare, like you mentioned. But something that would be interesting that the public can be helpful and a part of is let's say you live in, in Orange County and you look at the decertification list on the Post website and you've known and you've heard of law enforcement officers that have completed serious misconduct and you believe that they too should be investigated for misconduct. You can file a complaint with your local agency um, to ensure that the local agency is aware of any officer within your local jurisdiction that should be given consideration for decertification. Sounds like maybe a project for the ACLU would be to send out FOIA requests to all of the local agencies in California and get these lists and run that comparison, just get the databases matched up. That would be something we would have to discuss internally to see if that's something that can be useful to community members. 
Well, there have been some stories about police officers that are uh, banned from working in one state, working in another state's. But we'll see. Let's let's get to the point of what's going wrong with police this these times. I guess is a way to say it. Uh, we've had deaths of black individuals all across the country. George Floyd among them, and many others. That just sad situations at police officers' hands. What's going on? Why is there such a problem? One aspect that is a huge problem is the lack of transparency and accountability. And an example that's occurring right now is that in California, there is something called SB2 trailer bill language, where the governor's administration, through the state budget, is trying to remove some of the SB2 provisions that provide transparency. And if we do not have transparency on the public records of bad actors, it's going to make it really difficult to make the change that is much needed. Well, in all honesty, it sounds like there isn't much transparency now since you can't really find out fairly easily who's decertified. You can find that out who's decertified, but you can't really find out if they're working somewhere. Yes, and even with the SB2 bill, the the hope and the intent is that this will be a, a turning point because the proceedings that transpire with an officer that is being considered for decertification, that has never happened before. Before this law was passed, an officer could just commit a harm and then they could retire or they could commit a harm and transfer to another police department. At least with SB2, it will be publicly known who the bad actor is, and there will also be a public hearing of a sort to understand what has transpired in these local communities. So I do think SB2 is going to take us in the right direction for transparency and accountability. Good. Well, Marshall, it's time for another quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. We'll be right back. Filing court documents, serving legal papers, collecting electronic signatures, all critical parts of the litigation process, yet ones that are time-consuming and error-prone. But what if you could do more straight from your case or document management software? InfoTrack automates data entry, document selection, tracking, and information syncing across all these core tasks and more by integrating with your core systems like Clio, Smokeball, Leap, MyCase, and others. Spend more time on substantive legal work and less time on busy work. Learn how simple it can be at infotrack.com simple. Hey, Guy, what's up? Just having some lunch, Conrad. Hey, Guy, do you see that billboard out there? Oh, you mean that guy out there in the gray suit? Yeah, the gray suit guy. Order up. There's uh, all those beautiful, rich, leather-bound books in the background. That is exactly the one. That's J.D. McGuffin at Law. He'll fight for you! I bet you he has got so many years of experience. Like decades and decades. And I bet, Guy, I bet he even went to a law school. 
Are you a lawyer? Do you suffer from dull marketing and a lack of positioning in a crowded legal marketplace? Sit down with Guy and Conrad for Lunch Hour Legal Marketing on the Legal Talk Network, available wherever podcasts are found. And welcome back to Lawyer to Lawyer. I'm back with Marshall Arnwine Jr. He's an advocate for the criminal justice program at the ACLU of Northern California. We've been discussing police decertification. Before the break, Marshall, you mentioned that the governor here in California is making some steps to perhaps erode some of Senate Bill 2 and the transparency that exists. What's the governor's position and his rationale? So my understanding right now is that in California, every year the governor has to sign a budget bill to make sure that our economy is running smoothly. But one of the problems is in an effort to save money, there is talks of striking some language from SB2 that would deny the promised transparency into the decertification process. So let me give you an example. If the trailer bill language that the governor's administration is considering takes place, Post can ignore all Public Records Act requests for disclosable records in its custody connected to its certification and decertification duties, which include records related to physical abuse resulting in death or serious bodily injury, sustained incidents of sexual assault against a member of the public, demonstrating bias and other problematic moral character, and criminal conviction data. It's important to know that when activists, lawyers, law enforcement, and lawmakers negotiated SB2, they added a critical provision stating that all records that's introduced during the decertification proceedings shall be public. But this trailer bill language that the governor's administration is proposing will alleviate post from that transparency. So it is extremely important for the legal community, all of your listeners, to be able to be aware of what's going on in our state and to be able to reach out to the budget committee and our legislatures to have them reject any trailer bill language that will remove the transparency and accountability that communities need and deserve. If folks want to comment on this trailer bill language, how would they do it? One way is to go online and you can Google the California State Legislature's Budget Committee. And on there, you will be able to see who are the legislatures that's on the Budget Committee. And the ACLU partners with several organizations and wrote a letter to many legislatures to Skinner, to Ting, to Bonta, to Durazo. And we also sent this letter to the governor's administration as well. And I can send you the link after the show in case you want to attach it to the podcast so that your viewers can read the letter and understand what is taking place right now at our state capitol. Wonderful. We'll include that in the podcast. Thank you. So tell us, what else needs to happen with SB2? It sounds like it's a good, as you said, step forward, but there's still more transparency that needs to occur. What would you recommend as the next steps? I recommend that 
as many community members get involved in the process as possible. So for example, earlier I mentioned that SB2 created the Civilian Advisory Board. It's, re it's really crucial that civilians apply to these positions. So right now, the Civilian Board only has five members and it needs four more. And the governor will be appointing these four and I believe as of now, the positions are still open. And if people are interested in applying, they can go to www.gov.ca.gov forward slash appointments. And it's really crucial that community members are a part of this process, because as you mentioned earlier, who is going to police the police? And this is an opportunity for community members to not have to be from a law enforcement background to play a role in the decertification process. Wonderful. Marshall, it looks like we've just about reached the end of our program. So it's time to invite you to share your final thoughts and provide your contact information so our listeners can reach out to you if they'd like to get in touch with you and discuss this further. Yes. My final thought is that after the world witnessed the murder of George Floyd, in 2020, the public demanded more accountability and transparency for police who are bad actors and break their oath to protect and serve. Therefore, it is our duty as community members and our elected officials and public representatives to be committed to ensure public safety for all and address the discrimination, racism, and misconduct that occurs. It is extremely important that we continue to uplift Kenneth Ross Jr. Police Decertification Act, and to remember that precious lives have been lost due to police violence, and we have to make sure that that never happens again or, or alleviate the times that it does transpire. If people have any further inquiries or questions, you can reach me at my email at marn. W I N E at A C L U N C dot org. Feel free to email me any questions or comments or ways to get involved. You can also go to our website at www.aclunc.org. And on that page, on the front page, you will see a link called Police Decertification in California how it works, and you will see the frequently asked questions. You can learn more about Senate Bill 2, and you can also watch the recording of how the decertification proceedings work. Wonderful. Well, Marshall, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. God bless you. Take care. Well, here are a few of my thoughts about today's topic. SB2 is a big step forward given the lack of transparency that we've historically had in police departments across the country, but it's not far enough. I'm saddened to hear that Governor Newsom is pulling parts of it back or wants to pull parts of it back and ask our listeners to step up to the plate and notify the Budget Committee here in the state of California that this is a wrong step. More transparency is needed and more coordination. It's obvious at this point that we can't even do basic things like compare lists of working officers with decertified officers. And that's kind of scary. So let's get this fixed. 
Well, that's it for today's rant on this topic. Let me know what you think. And if you like what you heard today, please rate us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting app. You can also visit us at thelegaltalknetwork.com where you can sign up for our newsletter. I'm Craig Williams. Thanks for listening. Please join us next time for another great legal topic. Remember, when you want legal, think lawyer to lawyer. Thanks for listening to Lawyer to Lawyer, produced by the broadcast professionals at Legal Talk Network. Subscribe to the RSS feed on LegalTalkNetwork.com or in iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.